We're going to uh, read from God's Word just now um, from Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking uh, at our um, sermon this morning, which is the gift of salvation. We're kind of carrying on this, this superhero theme, and Erica is going to come forward and, and read God's Word for us this morning. And it's Ephesians chapter 2, reading from verse 1 to verse 9. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and follow, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming of ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Yeah. Thank you, Erica. So we're going to spend just a few moments together this morning thinking about this gift of salvation. Uh, and like I said, we're going to carry on our, our superhero uh, kind of theme as we look through God's word together this morning. Um, hands up if anyone here likes superhero movies. Do we have superhero movie fans in, in, in church this morning? Yeah, quite a few of us. Uh, anyone kind of like the Avengers, Marvel type stuff? Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man? Batman? Yeah, we've got lots and lots of different superheroes we like. But superhero movies, they all have a, kind of the same kind of principle, the same sort of thing in common. And that is that one point in the movie, there are people who are in need. There are people who are in need and there's someone who steps in to save the day. That is basically the premise of every superhero movie that we've ever seen. There is a people in need, whether they're hanging off the edge of a, a, a bridge from a bus, or whether they're trapped in a building, or, or there's something on fire and they're stuck, whether they're in a boat that's sinking. There's people who are in need, and there is someone, though, who steps in to save the day. And the concept of, of the superhero movies, they, they show us the awesomeness of the hero, the, the, the mighty um, power that the, the, and strength and bravery that our superhero has by contrasting them with the helpless poor people who are stuck in some sort of situation who are in need. The boys and girls sang for us this morning, and I saw your dance moves. Some of them were good. I'll leave it at that. Uh, for our, our, our holiday club uh, theme song, which is Jesus, You're My Superhero. And for a few moments this morning, I want us to unpack what that means. What it means for Jesus to be our superhero. For there to be a superhero movie, there needs to be three things. There needs to be a problem. There needs to be a hero. And there needs to be a saving act. These are the three things that we kind of need for every superhero movie. 
And in verse 1 that Erica read for us, the Apostle Paul, he shows us the need. He shows us the situation, the problem, the desperate hopelessness of what was going on. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That is the need. Friends, whether we like it or not, the need of every single human being is the same. That we all have the same issue. That we all have the same problem, the same blemish that covers us all. And that is the problem of sin. There is this sin problem that every single human being has had. Every, every human who's been born and every person who will be born all have this same problem. That we've all, we're all dead in our trespasses and our sins. We've all messed up. We've all got things wrong. We've all, um, we've all you know, told wee, wee lies, you know, but they're just wee, wee white lies sometimes. You know. uh, but we've all got this problem within us that, that we've all fallen short of God's standards. We've all fallen short of God's glory because, you see, God is perfect. He is perfect in every way, and we're not. The Apostle Paul has highlighted this problem that we have, that we're dead in the trespasses and sins that we have as human beings. You see, we don't just learn how to do wrong. We are born. It's our default position. Anyone who has ever had a child knows that that is true. That you don't have to teach your children to do wrong. They just somehow figure it out by themselves. Isn't that true, parents? Isn't that true, grandparents? Absolutely. Why is it? Here's a thought for you. Why do we have to teach our children their manners, but we don't have to teach them how to be cheeky or to lie or to steal? I don't know. I remember telling a story a few years ago about Joel, my oldest. We, I came down one morning, and uh, it was definitely Becca. She left out a huge block of galaxy, uh, and it was not a huge block of galaxy anymore. Uh, there was only a few strips left, and I came down, and the gold wrapper was there. The chocolate had gone. Where had it gone? Joel, have you eaten the galaxy? No, he said. Mouth covered in chocolate didn't have to teach him to do that. He figured it out all by himself. Why is that the case? Well, friends, because we all have this same problem. We all have the issue of sin. We just know how to do wrong. Is my thing going off? Can you hear me? One, two. It's a bit better, yeah. We all have this problem of sin. We have this issue that leaves us with a stain on our lives, which means that we are dead. We can't get near to God because he is perfect and he cannot look on sin. And when the Apostle Paul is speaking about being dead here, it isn't just some sort of metaphor or, or figure of speech that he's using. We in our sins are dead spiritually. And dead people cannot do anything. We thought about this last week in church when we looked at Lazarus. If Jesus hadn't called Lazarus' name, Lazarus would still have been in that tomb to this day. It wasn't Lazarus' choice to get up and walk to Jesus. It was Jesus who went to Lazarus and called him by name. So we have this problem. And when we have a problem, there is a need. And we have this need. And the Apostle Paul in verse 5 tells us what the need is. 
We need to be made alive. We need resurrection. We need to be brought to life. Because we were dead, we need to be made alive. We need to be resurrected. We need to be brought to life. Paul has shown us the, the depths of the human condition in verse 1. He shows us just, just how hard it is to be a human. The problem of the human heart. He shows us the depths of the darkness of our souls in verse 1. But what I love is that the gospel doesn't leave it at verse 1. But the gospel shows us then the heights of heaven. Shows us the splendor and the majesty of God. It shows us that we were dead, but verse 4. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it contains one of my favorite phrases in scripture. But God... We were dead. We were dead in our sins, dead in our trans transgressions or trans uh, trespasses. But God, verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, which he loved us. This but God is just soaked in grace and in mercy. This is who God is this morning. This is who he is. This is the one we gather to worship this morning. He is rich in mercy and his love is great. His love is amazing. He isn't distant. He isn't grumpy. He isn't a spoil sport. He is rich in love and uh, rich in mercy and he is full of love. And this morning he is calling you to himself so that you can experience this gift of salvation that he offers to you the world and you aren't an inconvenience to him he doesn't save you with a huff and a puff or a, or a sigh or a roll of the eyes that's not how he saves you he comes to you in mercy and in grace and full of love calling your name knowing that you're dead in your sins but he is rich in mercy the depths of the human soul to the heights and the splendor of heaven and the majesty of our God it is just truly wonderful to see. And he sees all the stuff you hide. You might be sitting there thinking, well, do you know, I've done more than tell just a wee white lie. But do you know, if anyone ever found out the, the, the skeletons I have in my closet, they would never speak to me again. Do you know that God sees all the skeletons in your closet? He sees everything you've done, every mistake you've made, every lie you've told, every bit of gossip and slander you've spread. He sees it all. He sees the hate that you've had for your neighbor, maybe even for your parents. He sees it all. And that's verse 1. You were dead in your sins, but he is rich in mercy. He sees it and yet still he loves you. Isn't that just truly incredible? In fact, the basis of God's saving act is grounded in the unsearchable and unreachable depths of his love. It's why he saves us. There is no limit to his love. And verse 8 tells us that this love is seen in a gift. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. And friends, you will never, ever deserve it. Never. You will never deserve the love of God. You can't reach that by yourself. It is God who comes, and we thought about this last week. He comes to the foot of your grave and he calls your name. Come to me, he says. 
experience my redemptive love, experience my resurrection power, experience my forgiveness, my mercy, my grace. I see everything you've done and I know everything you're going to do. All the mistakes you're yet to make and still I love you. Let me take your place, Jesus says. Let me take your sins so you can have my righteousness. Let me take your death so you can have my life. And this gift that the, the Apostle Paul speaks about here was explained so beautifully and so, uh, so well by our boys and girls this morning when they stood up and read, uh, remembered the memory verse. Wasn't that wonderful to see? The boys and girls remembering, for God so loved the world. Boys and girls never forget that. Never forget that God loved this world so much that he gave his one and only son. Wherever you go, whatever mistakes you make, always hold on to that memory verse. That God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son into this world. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gift that the Savior brings. This is the act of redemption. This is the, the hero moment in our superhero gospel story. This was the saving act that Jesus died on a cross for your sins. And like I said, you can never earn it. You can never work your way into heaven. You can't re I remember saying this a few years ago. I, there was a, a song I once learned at a Bible camp and I wish I could remember all of it but the part I've always remembered you can't get to heaven in a biscuit tin because God don't let no crummies in you can only get there by the grace of Jesus I made that last bit up because I can't remember the rest of the song but it's still true he doesn't let no crummies in you can only get there by Jesus and what he's done for you and trusting in his completed work and the Apostle Paul speaks about grace. Grace is God not giving us what we deserve. Because what we deserve is death. For the wages of sin is death. Grace is not God giving us what we deserve. But God giving us what we needed. We needed a saviour. And then mercy. Mercy is God giving us what, what, uh, what we need. Not because there's anything good in and of us. But because of who he is. In his grace, he saw not what we deserve, but what we needed. And in his mercy, he provided the solution to our need. Friends, we were dead in our sins. We needed a savior. We needed resurrection. He gave Jesus. Because why? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So we bring our thoughts together to a close this morning. But how can we be saved? So the superhero has come and he's offering this gift of salvation. And if we can't earn it and we can't achieve it and we can't work our way in and it's not by going into a biscuit tin because God don't let no crummies in, how do we get to heaven? How do we receive this gift? Well, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear it's not by works, it's all by faith. We're justified by faith alone. We're made right by faith alone. Trusting in the completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ as he died on the cross for our sins as a ransom for many. God this morning in his mercy and because of his love for you is offering this gift of salvation once again. Jesus died in your place 
on the cross for your sins so you can have eternal life. But what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Some of you have heard this message a thousand and one times. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it. But we've all got a decision, make, a decision to make. Because friends, there's no fence to sit on in the Bible. We're either dead or we're alive. And Jesus this morning is calling you by name. Paul elsewhere in the Bible reveals what I call the ABC of salvation. And it's really simple. Jesus says, let the little children come. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And friends, it's made so that children can understand it. And I thank the Lord for that because it means I can understand it. I know how to do it then. The ABC of salvation, and it's really as simple as the ABC. The first is this. We ask. We ask. We ask Jesus into our hearts. We ask Jesus to forgive us for our sins. We say sorry for all the wrong things we've done and we ask him in. That's A. B is we believe. We ask him in and we believe that God has forgiven us. We believe in what Jesus has done. We have faith in Christ's atoning works and say, Jesus, you died in my place. And we believe it's for us as well. Ask, believe, and C is we confess. We confess that Christ Jesus is Lord. We tell of his wonderful and marvelous works of redemption. We tell people about him. We tell people that we're living our lives for Jesus. I love that Lauren and Adam stood up this morning. They asked Jesus in their life of magnitude. They believed that he's come in. And this morning they stood up and they did the sea. They confessed that Christ Jesus is their Lord. But what are you going to do about it? This isn't just for the boys and girls. This is for you as well. Ask, believe, confess. Jesus is standing knocking at the door of your heart let him in let him in we ask him in we ask for a forgiveness of our sins we believe that he's done it we believe he's come in we have faith in christ's atoning work and we testify and confess about how wonderful and marvelous the gospel of our lord jesus christ is let's pray Before we pray, maybe some of us here this morning are saying, do you know what I want to ask Jesus in? I want to believe and I want to confess. And if that's you this morning, then I just want to lead you in a very, very simple prayer as you ask Jesus into your life. And maybe you want to say it in your hearts, in the quietness of your hearts after me. Jesus, I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done. Jesus, I'm sorry for the, the bad things and the mistakes that I've made. And Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins and Jesus I believe that you've come into my heart Jesus I believe in what you've done at the cross of Calvary and I trust in your completed works and Lord I pray that you give me the power to confess